This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Today's class is dedicated in honor of Amos, Amos ben Khwato. Epistle to the second letter written by the Alter Rebbe after he was released from prison. And this was, he was released from prison the week after Parshas Vayishlach. So he quotes the verse in Parshas Vayishlach where Yaakov says, Kotonti Mikola Hasadim, page 24, Mikotonti, I become small from all the favors, Umikol, and he stops right over there. In the parentheses, the verse continues, Ha'emes, and the truth. And the reason he stops here is because what's Yaakov referring to when he says from all the kindnesses and from all the truth? Kindnesses means undeserved kindness. Truth means things that he was promised. Truth that he was promised. From all the truth Hashem promised him and is going to take care of him. So Yaakov says, I am humbled by all the kindnesses and all the favors and from all the truth. So, the Alter Rebbe just quotes the beginning of the Pasuk. I am humbled from all the kindnesses and from, and he stops. He doesn't say, and the truth. And the reason is, because the Alter Rebbe is referring to his own miracle. He was released from prison, which was a tremendous kindness from Hashem. It was a miracle. But, he never had a promise that he was going to be released. He could have died in prison. There was no promises that it was going to turn out the way it turned out. Yaakov had a promise. al never had a promise that things are going to turn out, that he'll triumph and he'll win, he'll be victorious. So he says, he only quotes the beginning of the Pasuk from all the kindness, but he does add umikol and, and he lets the end of the Pasuk unsaid. But he's also hinting at the end of the Pasuk because, in a sense, he did have a promise. The promise was made to Rabbi Dov Ber's teacher, the Maggid of Mizrich, who passed away also on Yutus Kislev. And Rabbi Dov Ber passed away pretty early. In other words, he was a Rebbe for only 11, 12 years. And the reason is because the Hasidim went ahead without his permission and they were suffering so much from the opposition, from the establishment that they decided to curse the establishment, to make a cheirim and without asking permission they went ahead and made this cheirim this excommunication against the establishment and um, when all the students were asleep that night, Alter Rebbe pretended to be asleep, but he heard Rabbi Dov Ber coming into the room in crutches because he, was, he wasn't well. So he came with crutches. He suffered on his legs and Rabbi Dov Ber stopped in front of the Alter Rebbe and looked at him and he said, like such a small body with such a gigantic soul. And um, he said that because of what the students did, they're going to lose their head. In other words, he's going to pass away. But one thing they did accomplish, that the hand of the Hasidim will always be victorious. Whenever the Hasid, the Hasidim are in conflict with their opposition, the Hasidim will always be on top, the Hasidim will always win, will always triumph. So in general, there was a promise. There was an emiss. There was a promise that Hashem promised that in the conflict, this was a wrestling match, this was a conflict between the Hasidim and the opposition and the establishment, that the Hasidim would win. So even though there was no specific promise to the Alter Rebbe, 
But in general, there was a promise. That's what the Rebbe only hints at the end of the verse. In general, it says that the reason why Yaakov said, I am humbled by all the favors. If he had a promise, then what kind of favor is it? It's not a favor, it's a promise. It's because a promise means that you deserve it. A favor means Hashem does you a favor even though you don't deserve it. Now, someone who receives Hashem's favor and he doesn't deserve it, okay, then it's no big deal that they're asking for a favor because that's all they can ask for is for a favor. They don't deserve but nevertheless, they ask Hashem to have mercy and to do them a favor even if they don't deserve it. But the novelty is that even a tzaddik, like Yaakov Avinu, a righteous person, who has emes, he deserves to win because of his righteousness. And nevertheless, the righteous person, out of his humbleness, his humility, doesn't ask Hashem, doesn't demand Hashem, hey, I deserve it. And give me what I need but instead asks humbly and says, ask Hashem, just do me a kindness, do me a favor. So he asks Hashem for his favor, even though he could ask for his, he could demand. And yet, even though he could demand, most of us, we can't demand anything. You don't deserve anything. All we can ask is Hashem's favor. But for a righteous person who has the right to demand, and who could demand, and he has the merits, and he has, he has it in his bank account, it's coming to him. And nevertheless, out of his humility, he only asks Hashem for his kindness. That's something, that's something special. That the righteous people, even though they have a right to demand Hashem from Hashem, and nevertheless, they just ask Hashem for a favor. So Yaakov says, so Yaakov's acknowledgement is, I thank Hashem for all his kindness. Even though he could have demanded, Hashem promised him, was coming to him, he earned it, he deserved it, he paid for it, paid full price. And nevertheless, he only asked for Hashem's kindness. And so that's something special about the tzaddik. So the Alter Rebbe hints at it. He says, It's a kindness. The miracles that happened to the Alter Rebbe, his release from prison was a tremendous kindness from Hashem. But he hints at the end that even though he could have demanded it, it was something that was coming to him, but nevertheless, it was a kindness, a kindness from Hashem. And he explains that the literal interpretation of the word means, I am humble because of all the kindness that you've done to me, which means I am humbled, personally, which makes no sense. What do you mean, I am humbled because of all the kindness that you've done to me? Nachmanari says, I am ham katainti, I am diminished, and if I don't deserve all the kindness that you've done to me, I'm not worthy of receiving your kindness, because I have become small. But the literal meaning of the word is, I am humbled after the kindness, because of the kindness that you've done to me, therefore I am humbled. What does it mean? Why am I humbled because of the kindness? If Hashem does kindness to a person, you're humble. A person who's successful, a person who's Hashem does kindness to, you're humble because of the kindness. And he says, yes. Even though it's counterintuitive, it's not the way of the world. The way of the world is a person who's successful, who's riding high, is not humble. He's very arrogant. But this is the nature of a Jew, which is contrary to you, to the regular nature of, of the, the way of the world is that when uh, we receive kindness, when we are successful and we receive Hashem's kindness, we become very humble. Why? Because every kindness is a revelation of Hashem's kindness. And this is even regular kindness. Kindness that's natural kindness. But when we're successful and things go our way, it's a revelation of Hashem's right arm. Especially a kindness that's miraculous. Kindness that's beyond nature, that stupefies nature. Like Like the kindness that Alter Rebbe's release from prison, which was an open and obvious miracle. So when a person experiences Hashem's revelation of His right hand, of His, and Hashem hugs us and embraces us, and reveals His infinite kindness, we become close to Hashem. What happens when you become close to Hashem? The more humble you are. The more egoless you are. That's how I know that you're close to Hashem. A person who becomes arrogant, you're not close to Hashem. The closer you are to Hashem, 
the more Hashem draws you near to Him, the more you sense how nothing you are, how insignificant you are, how you, you're absolutely nothing. You become absolutely egoless. You don't even exist. Where do we see this? From Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu epitomized Hashem's kindness. And therefore Avram was so kind, in turn. Why was Avram so generous and kind? Because Avram's attitude was, I am dust and ashes. I am extra in this world. Why, do, why am I even needed in this world? Who am I? I am nothing. And when you feel nothing, that means you're so close to Hashem. And that's why Avram, in turn, became kind. So again, we have to clarify. Nothing doesn't mean that I am nothing and therefore it doesn't matter. What difference does it make what I do, what I don't do? I'm a nothing. Nothing matters. I'm... That's not the meaning of nothing. On the contrary, the more egoless you feel, the more valuable you feel. Because the more Hashem needs you and the more respect Hashem shows you, the fact that you're inherently nothing, and yet Hashem creates me, and Hashem does kindness to me, and Hashem blesses me, and Hashem gives me. That means Hashem is showing us His humility. If Hashem is showing us His humility, that He needs us, as insignificant as we are, He's creating us, He's sustaining us, He's giving us everything that we need, and beyond. So Hashem is showing us such respect. Hashem is showing us that He needs us and how significant we are and how important we are. So too, we in turn also feel a real sense of mission, a real sense of value. But it's a value that's based on reality, not a value that's based on ego. My value is because Hashem needs me. And I can do something for Hashem. And I can become His extension, His right arm. I can become His conduit for kindness, for goodness, for forgiving, for helping. So, the more egoless you feel, the closer you are to Hashem, the more egoless you are. So when Hashem draws you close, Hashem is hugging you, Hashem is embracing you. Hashem is loving you. That means Hashem is smiling to you. Hashem is showing you that you, you are significant. That He needs you. He's drawing you close to Him. He has a relationship with you. Hashem is connecting with you. So the more Hashem connects with you, the more Hashem draws you close. The more humble you are, the more egoless, but the more valuable, genuinely valuable, you feel and you become. And you realize how significant everything that you do, how significant it is. How important it is. How important it is to Hashem. And what a difference we can make. So we can't confuse this sense of humility with a sense of nihilism, God. Nihilism is the exact opposite. Nihilism comes from arrogance. I'm nothing. There's one thing when Avram says, I'm nothing, and as a result you live a holy life, or what the modern philosophers say, and the modern culture says, I am nothing, which means, doesn't mean anything. Lie, cheat, steal, fake it. Who cares? It doesn't matter. There's no truth. It doesn't mean anything. Lie, get away with it. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you please. Anyway, life is all a bunch of lies. It's very cynical. Very jaded, it's cynical, like, it doesn't mean anything. What are we? There's seven billion people in the world, we're a speck in the dust. Look at the whole universe. So what am I? What difference does it make? What difference what do my actions make? What difference does my speech make? So is, I, can, my, I can have a mouth like a sewer. What difference does it make? It doesn't matter, who cares? My thoughts, think whatever you want, speak whatever you want, do whatever you want. Be selfish, don't be selfish. Get, you know, as long as they spell my name right, just get in the papers. Nothing matters. It's so nihilistic. So this sense of nothingness, nothing matters. Anything goes. Anything goes. You know, even religion also goes. Because anything goes. It doesn't matter. Whatever makes you happy. You want to blow yourself up? Mazel tov. You want to be religious? Be religious. What do I care? Whatever works for you. 
doesn't matter. This is nihilistic. This is not a healthy sense of nothing. This is a sense of meaninglessness. This is not what we're talking about. A sense of humility means a sense of real value. So the, the more connected we are with Hashem, the less egotistical we become, but the more valuable and the more meaningful everything that we do. And therefore, in turn, we become godly and godly. So the more Avram felt closer to Hashem, the more humble he became, the more giving he became, the more kind he became, the more generous he became. He became a more refined person, a better person, a more egoless person. This is the effect of holiness in the person. This is the beginning. This is the first movement. When you feel a nochi offer ve'efer, when you feel that I am dust and ashes, and you feel close to Hashem, and you feel Hashem embracing you, and you feel Hashem's arm, and it makes you completely humble, completely egoless. And when you become completely egoless, then on the contrary, then your life becomes purposeful, meaningful, valuable, and then every act of kindness that you do becomes purposeful and meaningful and valuable because you become an extension of Hashem's arm, you become an extension of Hashem's kindness. So this is the idea of humility. The more humble you are, the more closer you are to Hashem, the more Hashem draws you near to Him, the more humble you feel. This humility, born of kindness, is also the characteristic trait of Yaakov. Because Yaakov is also humble. Yaakov's quality was emes. Yaakov contained all the qualities of his father and his grandfather, Avram and Yitzchak. So he had this quality, this humility, born of kindness. And therewith he justified himself for his fear of Esau and did not regard the divine promise given to him as being sufficient. And behold, I am with you, and I shall protect you wherever you go. This was so because Yaakov regarded himself as utterly insignificant on account of the multitude of Hashem's favors. As he said, for only with my staff did I cross the Jordan, and now I have enough property for two camps. Because of all the kindness that Hashem did to him, all the Hashem drew Yaakov close to him, and the kindness was two things. Firstly, there's two ways of interpreting it. One way of interpreting it is because I came with my staff. Yaakov came empty-handed. He came with nothing. He had nothing. And now, here I have four wives, 13 children. Look at all this wealth that I have with me. That's the kindness that Hashem showed him. Another interpretation the rabbis say is, with my stick is also part of the kindness. Because it says that Yaakov, with his stick, crossed the sea. Just like the Jewish people later on crossed the sea with his stick, miraculously the sea split. And it was, so that was also a miracle. So not only did he, was he successful, which is a success that somehow is part of nature, but he was a very successful, everything he touched turned into gold. But in addition, he had a miraculous type of success. He had open miracles that happened to him. So when Hashem smiled at him, and Hashem bestowed him and showed him all these wonderful miracles... So Yaakov fell completely humble. The closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize how insignificant we are. And therefore you appreciate. You appreciate what Hashem does for us. Because if I don't, if I'm so insignificant, and yet Hashem, so to speak, bothers to create me and bothers to, to take care of me when I am insignificant, inherently insignificant, so it's not something you take for granted. On the contrary, the closer you get to Hashem, the more you realize the miracle and wonder, the fact that Hashem is creating me and the fact that my life is, has such significance to Hashem. It must be so meaningful if Hashem is bothering to create me and to take care of me. It means my life has such value. I can give something to Hashem. I can do something for Hashem. And therefore, you, you live your life with a tremendous sense of intensity and energy and enthusiasm and vitality and because you realize how important every moment, how important every ounce of energy that Hashem gives me and every ability that Hashem gives me, how significant it is and how important it is and you make sure to lead a Jewish life and a meaningful life and a good life and a wholesome life. So Yaakov was completely humbled by that. That whole realization completely humbles you. 
and he considered himself as being utterly unfit and unworthy to be saved and so on. As our sages of blessed memory expressed it, Yaakov was apprehensive lest sin would cause him not to be saved, for it appeared to him that he had sinned. Even though Hashem promised him he's going to take care of him, and nevertheless, Yaakov was afraid that maybe he doesn't deserve that these promises should be fulfilled. Why not? Because of his humility, he felt that maybe, maybe he sinned. Maybe his sins would cause him to be saved. What do you mean he sinned? Yaakov sinned. Yaakov was a, a patriarch. was the most perfect of all the three patriarchs. Yaakov was perfect. What do you mean he sinned? Yaakov knew himself. Humility doesn't mean delusion, as we studied in the first chapter of Tanya, the first part of the Tanya. Humility doesn't mean self-delusion. Yaakov knew his strength. So what do you mean he thought maybe he sinned? When he meets Esav, he says, I kept all 613 mitzvot. He didn't sin at all. But it means is that it appeared to him like he sinned. Because when you become elevated, when you reach a higher level, then even your previous level of serving Hashem is now considered a sin. Well, if a person sometimes does a mitzvah but it's not done properly, wasn't done wholeheartedly, enthusiastically, okay. You just do the mitzvah mechanically and by road, so you can understand. But that's not Yaakov. Yaakov did the mitzvah, he did it 100%. And that was good enough yesterday. But now that you elevate it to a higher level, you look back, that's called serving Hashem. That's how you serve Hashem. Now that I'm mature and I'm wiser and I'm deeper, and I'm, every day a Jew has to grow. You have to come deeper and wider and bigger and greater. You have to expand and you have to grow and your appreciation for Hashem grows. And your understanding and your awareness and you advance and you keep on jumping forward and leaping forward and going forward and you look back and you say, that's called serving Hashem. It's an embarrassment. Yesterday's service of Hashem now becomes a sin. That's how you serve the King of Kings. That's how you serve Hashem. Now that I understand how great Hashem is, Yesterday's understanding was nothing in comparison to today's understanding. So now yesterday's service becomes something I have to do tshuva for. Thank God we have tomorrow. <laughs> this should be our worries. We have to worry. We have, we have other things we have to worry about. Literal things. But someone on the level of Yaakov, the closer he got to Hashem, the more kindness Hashem showed him. And the closer he came to Hashem and the more elevated he became, the more insignificant he felt and the more humble he felt and the more he realized how yesterday's service is nothing in comparison to Hashem's true greatness, to Hashem's true infinite greatness. You know, in comparison to Hashem, even the service of the greatest angel is considered sinful. That's called service. You call this service? America is very big into service. You have to, you have to, everything is how you service. This is called service. The service and the service. So, he didn't do anything wrong. Chas v'shalom, God forbid. Yaakov didn't sin, in the literal sense. But the higher he became, the more elevated he became, the closer he got to Hashem, the more humble he became. And therefore, he looked back and he realized that his service of Hashem is considered a sin. And therefore, he says, maybe I don't deserve all these miracles and all this kindness. Maybe Hashem promised me but when he promised me, I was, in, I, was, I was in one place. But now, I feel completely humbled and insignificant. So with each passing day, a Jew only gets sharper and sharper. You have to get better and better, stronger and stronger, deeper and deeper. Not only is there no sense of complacency, sense of accomplishment, achievement, you're resting on your laurels, coasting along on your previous past accomplishments. Now I'm comfortable. Comfortable. Yaakov, when Yaakov said this, Yaakov was over, was, um, he was 104 years old. He was fully accomplished. He had what to show for himself. Collecting Social Security for 40 years. You would think, you know, look, 
this is an achievement, it's an accomplishment. He says, Katanti, I am nothing. He felt completely humble from all the kindness. He was afraid, maybe my sin. Maybe my ser- the whole service of Hashem was a sin. So he completely challenged himself and, and, and felt completely humbled. This is the sign of holiness. There's no complacency. There's no sense of accomplishment, achievement, and, you know, pat yourself in the back or in the stomach or pat yourself somewhere and give yourself a medal, give yourself a standing ovation. Oh, your accomplishments. The closer you get, the more you accomplish, the more you achieve, the closer you get to Hashem, the more kindness Hashem does for you, the more humble you feel, the more insignificant you feel, the more you realize how insignificant, how infinite Hashem is, and how insignificant we are. And therefore, he felt, maybe I don't deserve all this kindness. So this keeps you on your toes. That's the sign of a Jew. A genuine Jew is always on his toes. And you get older, not only don't you get jaded, complacent, you get younger and younger and more motivated and more fired up. This is the nature of holiness. That's how you know it's holy. That's how you know it's genuine. It's very rare to find us. <laughs> we find us by Avram, we find us by Yaakov. That's why they are our patriarchs. The only three patriarchs. They are our matriarchs. But this is the quality that we all inherit. This is the quality we all have, that spark of holiness. But this is the sign. The more, you know, we are the most successful generation in history. No one. Our ancestors, no one had it as good as we have. King Solomon could only dream of the luxuries that's available to the simplest person today. Chinese, one night. <laughs> Japanese, next night. Mexican, the third night. I don't even know if Shleiman Melech had such luxuries at his fingertips. So the real attitude should be, the closer we get to Hashem, the more we realize Hashem's generosity, and Hashem's kindness, and Hashem's goodness, and Hashem is drawing us closer to Him, and is blessing us, and showering us with His bounty, and His blessing, the more humble we feel. And the more... The more energized we should become in our Jewishness, in our Yiddishkeit, in our relationship with Hashem, the more charged we should become and the more we should challenge ourselves and, and realize we have to start all over again. We haven't even started. This is called serving Hashem. This is not service. It has to be deeper and broader and higher and greater and, and take it to a whole new level. So that's what Yaakov felt. All the promises Hashem made me, that was yesterday. Today, that's called serving Hashem. Today is a whole new day. I don't know if I earned, if I deserve the promises, such promises if I earned it where I am today. We don't live with yesterday. We live with today. A Jew lives with today. Not what happened in yesterday in the past. Hashem is now. Hashem is here. Hashem is real. The relationship the way it is today. Hashem is showing me, showering me with such kindness. I feel completely humbled, completely insignificant. It's completely inadequate. This is not serving Hashem. We have to serve Hashem today. So could you imagine such a vibrant type of Judaism, such a vibrant relationship, such an active relationship? This is a real relationship. This is a real marriage. There's no, there's no jadedness. There's no... You got married 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This is today. It's so alive. It's so... Have I earned it? Have I deserved Do I deserve it? It's something you have to earn every day. It's something you have to deserve every day. What, a, what, a, what an attitude of life. Don't take your blessings for, for granted. What did I do today to earn my blessings? That was Yaakov's attitude, basically. Yes, Hashem promised me 20 years ago. Wonderful. But what did I do today to earn those such powerful blessings? Yesterday is yesterday. Today? Today is a whole new day in a whole new world. And Hashem has only grown greater in my eyes. And I have grown smaller in my eyes. <laughs> With every day Hashem becomes greater and I become smaller. <laughs> it's like, 
Now, what, what, have I, what have I done to earn this marriage today, to earn this relationship today, to earn this connection today, to earn these powerful blessings today? This is a way to live. Such an attitude, you never grow old. Never grow complacent or comfortable. This keeps us, this keeps us fresh. This keeps us current. This keeps us grounded. It keeps us real. It keeps us rejuvenated. In addition, though, with the holy counterpart to the attribute of kindness that belongs to the holy side of the universe, i.e., it is different with Ishmael, who personifies the attribute of chesed that belongs to the kilipah. The counterpart to Abraham, who personifies the attribute of chesed kindness that belongs to holiness, is Ishmael, who personifies kindness that belongs to unholiness, the opposite of Isaac, who represents the attribute of kibbutz, severity, that belongs to holiness. Is this so? who represent the attribute of Geburah that belongs to unholiness. The more kindness shown to Ishmael and to his ilk, the more he grows in pride, arrogance, and self-satisfaction. A Jew must thus be on guard against the chesed of Kripah and ensure that God's acts of kindness will lead him to cultivate the traits of Abraham and Jacob, the chesed of holiness, so that his response will be humility rather than pride. Now, we find also, we find kindness. We find the kindness of Ishmael, who is a descendant, a child of Abraham. So there's also a humanitarianism, a kindness, a generosity. People are very giving and give very generously. But it's a different type of giving. And it's a different type of kindness. It's a kindness that comes from ego, from arrogance. A person has so much that he doesn't mind giving. He'll give. I have so much anyway, I'll give. Or he wants to make a name for himself. I want to become a philanthropist. I want to create a reputation as being a humanitarian. Or a person thinks to himself that a humanitarian, an intellectual, has to be a liberal, an intellectual has to be a humanitarian. So if I want to be counted as a humanitarian, as a liberal, I have to, I have to give. But it's all motivated by ego. It's all motivated by arrogance. It's all about me. Self-aggrandizement. It's all about the plaque. A person gives tzedakah but he wants his name, he wants his recognition, he wants, it's all about ego. Or he wants to be in the Forbes, today they started a new Forbes 400. Not Forbes 400, how much money you have, but how much money you give. The richest people in competition today, how much money they can give, which is a wonderful thing. And it's competition, you know, people want to give them money to be recognized as being, do, you know, they do good. In the community, not just people who hoard their money and take it to the grave with them. Um, but again, it's all about ego. It's all about me. It's all about I. It's not about the other person. It's not about... There's no humility here. On the contrary, who is a whole person? Who is a mensch? Who is considered a real person? Who is considered an enlightened person? A broad-minded person? A, a great person who gives money? Listen. Who cares what their motivation is? Let them give and give and give. But the bottom line is, the motivation is ego. There's no humility in the country. You become even more arrogant and complacent and self-satisfied. And that's why they'll never go out of their way. They won't do anything that's unnatural. You know, if you'll give philanthropy, you'll have so much extra money, you don't know what to do with it, then you'll give money. You know, that's not tzedakah. Tzedakah means giving your first dollar bill. Philanthropy means giving your last dollar bill. A huge difference. The first dollar bill that you worked so hard and you sweated and you went so many years to school and you, and you deprived yourself and you, you give that money away, that comes from a deep recognition of Hashem. That comes from humility. That comes from a sense of egolessness. To write a check that hurts. 
a person sometimes can give a hundred dollars and it's worth more than the person who gives a million dollars. Because the person who gives a million dollars, a million, he's worth a billion dollars, so the million to him means nothing. Has no value. The person who's giving a hundred dollars, maybe he's giving his bread money. So it's, it's, it's a different type of, that's tzedakah. Versus philanthropy, which is all ego. So the kindness of Yishmael, which is an offshoot of Avram's kindness, but it's ego. Either money has no value to me. Some people, money has no value to them. So they'll spend uh, millions of dollars on their dog. <laughs> and leave millions of dollars on their dog. It doesn't come from a goodness, kindness. It comes from, money means nothing to me. So I'll spend it for, this fool, for the most foolish things. Or a person who just likes to spend, and likes to give, and likes to be popular, and likes to be generous, and likes to... Or a person is so great and so big, he just has to, he has to be expansive. He has to, he's a big person, a big personality, a big... So he needs... He has to give, he has to make noise, he has to do something. But it's all about ego, it's all about I. There's no humility, there's no sense of egolessness, there's no sense of versus kindness that comes from holiness, the kindness of Avram, the kindness of Yaakov. This is kindness that comes from emes, comes from a deep sense of egolessness, a deep sense of humility. Therefore, there's no arrogance. So Avram didn't give from extra. On the contrary, it says Avram took what he needed. For himself, he only took his necessities. Everything else he gave away. The, this, this kindness that comes from ego and arrogance. First I take from myself. Not only everything that I need, but luxus and excess and luxuries. And after already I have my three homes. My home in Park Avenue. My home in, in the Hamptons. My home in the Riviera. And I have to have my boat. And I have to have my plane. And I have to have all my toys. And I have to have everything. And I still loaded and loaded. What am I going to do with all that money? Now it's time to make a name for myself. It's time to make noise. It's time to... But that's ego. That's arrogance. That's not holiness. That's not kindness that comes from a sense of godliness. From a sense of being close to Hashem. Hashem has nothing to do with it. It's kindness from having such an expansive ego. From being such an egotist. That one expression of ego could be kindness. It has nothing to do with godliness. But anything to do with godliness, anything to do with holiness, comes with humility. That's the sign of holiness. We just heard today, this very, very wealthy Jew. He grew up, he had a very messed up childhood. I think his mother threw him out of the house. Some nice people took him in. And he became extremely, extremely wealthy. And he was extremely generous. One, recently he got in trouble with the, the law. At the end he was totally exonerated, but the government started breathing down his back. And he was afraid that, you know, he may end up in jail and he may end up losing everything. So he called his friends and a whole gathering of very rich Jews and he says, listen, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I may lose everything. I may... I don't know where this is going. Because once the government gets in your case... Guilty, not guilty, you're guilty. But here's a list of people that I've been helping all these years. This widow and this orphan and this rabbi and this whole list. And if I don't take care of them, nobody is going to take care of them. So I want you to promise, no matter what happens, I want everyone in this room to commit, you're going to take care of these people. No matter what happens to me, whatever happens to me is going to happen to me, but these people have to be taken care of. I said, I'm going to try I get my children to sell assets, to try to pay you, whatever it is. I can't guarantee. I don't know what the government is going to take from me, won't take from me. At a time when he was about, his life was about to be ruined, and unjustly the government was going after him and about to destroy him, this mafia that we call uh, whatever, um, what was he worried about? Right, worried about how, who's going to take care of these people. At the end he was totally exonerated and everything was okay. But this is a type of kindness. And then the same person made a wedding for his daughter. 
person like that, a wedding, he, he can write a check for millions of dollars without blinking an eye. He was extremely, extremely wealthy. What kind of wedding did he make? He went to the huge synagogue, <laughs> put a whole bunch of chalos at the end of each table. <laughs> he had waiters come in with uh, platters on paper plates, platters of chicken, platters of kugel. <laughs> it was like the simplest uh, seltzer. And everyone danced, and it was the simplest wedding you can imagine. Very joyful. The whole community was invited. And he, said, and he explained, that why did I make this wedding? Because so many people in the community who can't afford, but they feel they have no choice. Everyone has to outdo the other. So they go into debt to make these fancy, extravagant weddings with their children, which they can't afford. And it's like ridiculous. So I want to show if here I'm the richest person in town and I can make a simple wedding. You don't have to, there's no mitzvah to go into debt and to buy yourself crazy. I'm saying this is, this is a kindness. This is a unique type of kindness. You don't find that type of kindness. This is kindness of holiness. This is a kindness. It's not about ego. When your life is on the line, you, all you worry about your life. I can't think now about anyone else. His first thoughts are I have to take care of everyone else. What happens to me will happen to me. Knowing that he's innocent, but what happens to me, I have to, the first, first thing... But that's like a sense of responsibility. I mean, once you do something repeatedly, repeatedly, you really have some responsibility. I you mean, know, when something, when something, when you're facing such a challenge, people say, listen, right now, I'm not available, goodbye. I'm, I'm fighting for my life. I'm not in the position, I have to take care of myself first. Right. It, this is humble, this is kindness that comes from humility. This is holy kindness. This is rare. This is unique. These you only find amongst the children of Avram. That type of kindness. Israel was the first one to help Haiti. Before America got its act together, Israel was there and they gave the best care. Israel even offered to help Iran when they had the earthquake. Of course, they're they're, they're such anti-Semites they would rather die than take Israeli help. This is kindness that comes from holiness. It's not ego, it's not calculated, no strings attached. It's not about me, it's about you. It's, it's because you sense that anything that I have, I don't really deserve. It's not mine. Why do I deserve it? Hashem is giving it to me out of His pure kindness. I'm completely extra in this world. I'm completely not needed in this world. And the only thing I'm needed for is why Hashem needs me, whatever Hashem needs me for. And therefore, I'm here to serve. And it's not even a sacrifice. Sacrificing? Who am I? There's no I to sacrifice. I, I, I'm nothing. It's Hashem. There's nothing else. This is kindness. This is real goodness. This is real kindness that comes from Hashem. So this is the quality of and this is the quality of Yaakov and that's why Yaakov felt so humble even though Hashem personally promised him it doesn't get better than that Hashem himself in a prophecy revealed himself to Yaakov and promised him I will personally take care of all your needs you have nothing to worry and yet Yaakov was worried because that was 20 years ago look at all the kindness Hashem has done to me since Hashem has elevated me. Hashem has drawn me close to Him. Now I realize how great Hashem is and I realize how insignificant I am. I thought that 20 years ago I was insignificant. Now I really understand how insignificant I am. And therefore I don't deserve all this kindness. Maybe I don't deserve it. So there's no sense of entitlement. That's the difference between the kindness of Ishmael and the kindness of Avram. Kindness of Ishmael is a sense of entitlement. Very comfortable with yourself. I'm the rich one. I'm the anointed one. I'm the special one. I deserve it. Whatever I have, I deserve and more. I'll be generous to you. I'm going to show a little kindness. But it's very clear who is showing the kindness. Who is the giver and who is the receiver. That's Ishmael, a sense of entitlement. Yaakov had no sense of entitlement. I don't deserve this. I haven't earned it. Why do I deserve all this kind? What have I done to deserve this? 
And therefore, it's no great sacrifice to give to another person. It's not mine to give. I'm sacrificing. It's mine. I earn it. I deserve it. I own it. This is holiness. And this you'll only find amongst the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel. With a few rare exceptions. Otherwise, there was actually a non-Jew. Get his name. Irishman. A few years ago, it came out in public that he, him and his partner, actually a Jewish partner, <laughs> owned all the duty-free shops in all the airports. And they, were, they both became billionaires. And it turned out that for over 20 years, this Irishman gave all his money away to charity, anonymously. He wouldn't just give it. He was a very smart businessman. He would study, do research, study charities that he felt where 90% of the money is going to the charity. You know, some charities, 90% of the money goes to the office and 10% ends up in the charity, you know, where they really run a tight ship and they're for real and they're really making a difference. And, and he used to give anonymously, millions and millions over the years. And what happened was, the reason it came out in public was because he had to pay the IRS taxes, so therefore, once the IRS gets involved, everything becomes, comes out into the public. So they interviewed him. And it turned out he kept for himself, he has five children, they're all normal, he never spoiled them. He kept for himself and his family, I think, five million dollars. He said, listen, it's more than enough than we need. How many pairs of shoes could we wear? How many steaks could he eat? He lived very comfortably and he says, why did God give me all this money? I deserve all this money. Am I better than anyone else? What, what, what am I? So, I mean, I'm golden. The, the, the ground I step on is, is golden. Who, who do I think I am? I'm, I'm just a regular guy. And God blessed me, gave me wealth that's totally beyond. I don't deserve it. I don't need it. I mean, what do, and he gave it all away. I mean, this, is, this is the type of kindness which is, this is like a Jewish level of kindness that we're discussing. This is kindness that comes from humility. We're censored. I don't deserve this. Why is God being so kind to me? It's only someone who has God in his life, who has a relationship with Hashem, who has that sense of humility, no sense of entitlement, could be so kind and so generous. This is the level that every Jew has to aspire to. But we have to be, we have to make sure not to descend to the level of Ishmo. There is a kindness, Ishmo. People write checks and write big checks. It's all about ego. It's arrogant. It's all about I. With a sense of entitlement. And therefore a sense of ego. My name, my plaque, my acknowledgement, my honor, my covet. In the tabernacle there were no plaques. In the temple, there were no plaques. This room is dedicated by no plaques. Before Hashem, there was no plaques. The richest person, the simplest person, Hashem, you're all the same. And on the contrary, the richest person would feel how small you are, how insignificant you are. So I'm going to have my name in the temple. Before Hashem in the temple, you don't exist. And that's why you're giving so much money, because you don't exist. I am giving. There's an I that's giving. I, there's no I. There's no... It's... it's my name, my plaque, it doesn't exist. There's no ego, there's no I. And there's no entitlement. And you're not doing anyone any favors by giving. It's giving Hashem what belongs to Him. This, this is genuine kindness. And that's the giveaway if a person is connected or not connected. Disconnected. Ego or godliness. Humility or arrogance. And you can't bluff it. There's no bluffing. This is emes. This is for real. When Hashem is kind to us, for real, and Hashem bestows upon us kindness and is generous to us, whatever it is, with talent, with energy, with abilities, with wealth, and many forms of bestowing wealth. Wealth doesn't only have to be physical wealth. There's intellectual wealth, there's a talent, there's ability, there's influence, there's many things that a person, Hashem, blesses us with. 
and the more Hashem blesses us with the more humble we have to feel and the more responsibility like you say the more is expected of us and the more is demanded of us and the more meaningful it becomes and that's the, that's the difference connection or, not, or, not, or no connection to be or not to be be connected or not to be connected. So this is counterintuitive. The more successful, instead of becoming arrogant, like the way of the world, and we live in that community, on the contrary, the more successful we are, the more Jewish we become, the more humble we become, the more godly we become, the more humane we become, the more egoless we become, the more down-to-earth we become the more accessible we become. It's amazing. The Rebbe, when the Rebbe became so huge and such a celebrity, like, internationally, at that point, the Rebbe became the most accessible. Every Sunday, you can go to the Rebbe. Everyone can go to the Rebbe for a dollar, face-to-face, one-on-one, the simplest person, the greatest person. You would think the Rebbe is so great and so you become the less accessible you become. The more great a person becomes in the way of the world, the more barriers he has. You know, you, you can't even get close to them. And with the Rebbe, it was the exact opposite. With the passing of time and the greater he became and the more, the more accessible he became. No intermediaries, directly, one-on-one. Everyone can go speak to them directly, face-to-face, ask whatever you want, get whatever you need. This, this is holiness. This is, this is genuineness. This is humility. And the Rebbe stood. Was in awe of his audience. Was in awe of every person that came. This is holiness. This is the quality of a Jew. The more Hashem gives us, the more successful we are, the more accessible we become. The more down-to-earth we become. The more humble we become. And if we become more and more distant and remote and holy and distant, this is not holiness. This is not coming, this is not coming from a holy place. This is coming from a sense of entitlement, a sense of arrogance, a sense of taking ourselves too seriously in a wrong way. It's a very, very profound point Al-Tarev is making here. Okay, next time we'll conclude the letter. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.